This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Tis the season, ladies and gents. Grab a mince pie, get a selection box, pour another eggnog, because Manchester City are back in Premier League action. I have absolutely no idea what day it is. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Adam Booker. And this is the City Report Podcast. Where is going from? Unbelievable! Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello Adam, how was your Christmas? Did you have a nice day? Hello Amos, uh, yeah it was nice. I got to see both sides of my family. It's did a little, spent a little time in the car traveling from one to another. Ch- children of divorced parents will understand the feeling. Um, but yeah, it was nice. Got to see lots of family that I haven't seen in a while since I live thousands of miles away from them. Yeah, yeah, still in the same country. I will never, I will never get it. I, I, it's essentially like one person living in Russia and the other living in Portugal. That's the the distance between uh, each side of the US. So, um, yeah, my little United Kingdom brain can't uh, understand the expansionism of the United States. But um, I actually wanted to start, because obviously there's no football to speak about yet, where City have been handed a strange schedule. It's the 28th of December, uh, the day you're listening to this podcast, City Play Leeds. So I actually wanted to start on a completely non-football-related topic, just for five minutes or so, to you know, ease us back into it, get us get us moving again after a few days of uh, gluttony. Um, I would like you, if, if possible, please, to... Um, for those sort of uh, listeners outside the US, and I'll do the same for the UK version, to talk me through your typical US Christmas day. So, you know, maybe when you're older, like you say, divorced parents, it might be a little bit different, but as normal as possible, what does it what does it look like? Because I'm, I'm desperate to see if there's any major cultural differences as, the, as to how we do it here. Um, 
let's see. So growing up, my, our Christmas traditions were uh, Christmas Eve. My family would get in the car. We would drive to some nice neighborhoods near us, near where I grew up, and we would drive through all the neighborhoods and, and see Christmas lights and decorations uh, and stuff. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, in the morning we would do presents. Uh, my Christmas Day morning. Christ- yeah, like. yeah, Christmas Day morning. Yeah, my yeah. sister and I would sit at the top of the stairs. We would wait as they sorted through the presents, got them organized by ch- by child, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and then we came downstairs, opened up some presents, and then had all the extended family, aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff over mm. for a meal later in the day. And that was about it, That's, really. Yeah, that sounds pretty normal. Just a few specifics, because I know it's caused a debate in this country at the moment, actually, this normal island we live on. When you're doing presents, are you a sort of a one-by-one family does one person open it and then everyone watches or is it more of like a, a melee does everyone rush in and sort of elbows out sort of like diving under the tree um a little bit like a, a what's it called black friday sale or something like that we always had a designated santa so one family member was selected <laughs> on that morning and they would go under the tree and they would give yeah. out presents one by one and you'd open them when you're given them so right okay only one person is ever opening presents at a time and all That's attention mad. is on them. However, yesterday, uh, two days ago, I guess it would have been Christmas, um, I was with... Three days ago. <clears throat> yes, three days ago. Um, <laughs> I was with my mom's partner's family, so essentially my, yeah. my step family. Um, yeah. And they all do it differently. They all get all of their presents organized by person. They get all of their presents at once. And then they op- mm. they open all of their presents in order of oldest to youngest. Oh, in <clears throat> so oldest is first. Yeah. That's mad. They respect That's their crazy. elders in that that Filipino family. Maybe it's a Filipino thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe. No, it's, it's cool, but it's crazy. Um, ours is a little bit same. I, I, I think... It differs even in the UK, but we're a lot like sort of there's loads of presents there. Mainly the kids will go first. They'll sort of like go through them and the parents will like, oh, it's another pair of socks. Thank you. <laughs> you know, that, that sort of uh, that sort of thing. What about food? Because this is this is interesting because um, John Ashley, Main Road Ramble uh, co-host, obviously born in Manchester, now lives in um, the United States. He sort of is that my sort of... Uh, what would you call it, translator, my bridge and sort of communication between people over the pond. And he's sort of, he lives in the US and he loves his life. He's got a fantastic family, but he really misses UK Christmas dinner because I feel like it's the one, the UK is not revered for its food. I'll be the first one to say that. It's got great food, but sort of as the UK history goes, none of it is actually traditional English food. Um, But a roast dinner, good roast dinner on Christmas Day, it's the final boss of the one meal the UK does well. What's it like in the US? Because I feel like maybe this is one one part of the the cuisine world where the UK triumphs over the the great states. So I think this differs by family in the US. Um, I think as far as and obviously, like the UK, we're such a, a melting pot of cultures here. So every every yeah. family is going to have some sort of cultural inf- influence. But I grew up in a very basic white American family. Um, mm. the The average white American family is either a turkey family or a ham family yeah. when it comes to Christmas. Okay. So I think a lot of yeah. people have very similar meals to Thanksgiving, and, and just, a lot of just people the one, just the one meat. 
Yeah. So it'd be right, okay, turkey is the centerpiece, it, it, and then you have all your sides like yeah. Thanksgiving, sort of. Yeah. But for, yeah. I, we're, here, we're a ham family for Christmas. Right. Okay. It's interesting because here, mainly, it's a selection. So you'd have a beef. I, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, and I've only ever had one Christmas where I ate actual meat. So it's, I'm speaking from experience. But you'd have a, a, a beef, you'd have a ham, you'd have a turkey joint, you'd even have some chicken, maybe. And it's all sort of like cumulated accumulated with roast potatoes broccoli steamed veg you know really nice lots of gravy lots of gravy um see now i I spent this christmas like i said with my mom's you know my step family and they're filipino and the dad um is like a big time kind of grill guy he's got a big smoker in the backyard Ah, so we did have a big assortment of meats we had a smoked chicken a brisket we had a filipino filipino pork dish um i think called cc Um, but that's, that's not, you know, my normal tradition. That Mm. was just because I was with this family. Um, but yeah, I mean, it totally varies by the cultural influence, which I think is one of the amazing things about the U S is there are so many different versions of traditional meals because we have so many different cultures. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. No, uh, that's cool. I think finally then the the only difference that I sort of struggle with personally, I'm using this as an education lesson. This could have really been done off, off air, but um, hey, it is, it is that time of year. Thanksgiving, because I, there is literally nothing like that in the UK. We we have no independence to celebrate. There's no point, there's no need to have a Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, you like just look on as the rest of the world celebrates yeah, their independence yeah. from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. pretty much every day of the year you could have an independence day, but obviously not in the UK. What does the proximity of those two do? What What's the difference between Thanksgiving and Christmas? Because from my sort of uneducated brain, I reckon Thanksgiving feels a little bit more for, for non-secular families, so for non-religious families. I reckon Thanksgiving is a lot like Christmas in the UK, whereas for religious families, Christmas is the, I'm guessing even in the US, the, the big one, the, the sort of the day of... Um, holiness yeah as the term goes so as as somebody who didn't grow up religious and it continues to not be religious for me it's thanksgiving is the gateway to the holiday season that's how i'll label okay. it so yeah, yeah. halloween like halloween shield. yes exactly it's the community <laughs> shield to the premier league season um <laughs> halloween rolls around the weather starts to get a little chillier and i'm starting to get yeah. that you know nice fall autumn vibes then thanksgiving yeah. comes and at least for, for my my girlfriend who I've, I've lived with for years, her um, she is a huge Christmas person. And Thanksgiving means the time in which you can start acting like it's Christmas season. So, yeah. you yeah. know, if, if Thanksgiving is November 25th, on, on November 26th, we're getting a tree, we're putting up the stockings, blah, 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 blah. No way. I'm no not way. that kind of person. I tend to, to yeah. wait till a little later in December, but um, – yeah, Thanksgiving for me is better food by far than Christmas okay. by far, but it's the yeah. gateway to the Christmas season. Yeah, and and I'm guessing there's no present given on Thanksgiving. Correct. That's just, it's just like it's just like a, a God's gran and a piss up. It's one yes, way you'd probably exactly, describe it. Yes. Um, perfect. Right. Okay. Um, that was the totally non-football related <laughs> part of this show. We'll be back in a moment to speak about Leeds and Manchester City. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. Now. Plenty of people have probably just skipped through that segment, so you won't have any idea what we've just spent about 10 minutes speaking about. But let's start with the football then. And um, a nice, speaking of gateways into stuff, a nice gateway into this match, Leeds versus Man City. Calvin Phillips, ex-Leeds, now Manchester City, got a little bit of a telling off, didn't he? Adam, do you want to walk us through what 
so when did the news drop? I think it was Christmas Eve, wasn't it? Or, or just the day before Christmas Eve, also yeah. known as the 23rd. Um, news dropped that Calvin Phillips has been a little bit naughty with his food, like we all have the last couple of days. Yeah, well, you know, we all expected him to play um, in that game against Liverpool because obviously he got, uh, I think, what, 45 minutes in, in the Chelsea game before the break and then played a little bit here and there for England. Um but obviously wasn't in the squad. Lots of speculation on what you know what the issue was. Did he pick up an injury at the World Cup? Well, Pep confirmed it for us after the game, said he's not injured. He arri- arrived back at City overweight. And he said he didn't know why, but he wasn't in any condition to train and, and join in on the session. So um, that's not ideal. And, and I think what we do have to point out is, is when Pep Guardiola says Calvin Phillips is overweight, um, it's not like your uncle who's had too many Christmas dinners. It's, yeah. you know, overweight um, I, for their insane standards. Just, just, just at me. Just, just send me the app. <laughs> no need to shame us on this on our very own show. Um, but anyways, he, he he's overweight by Pep Guardiola's standards. And, you know, we've seen in documentaries, we've heard from books written about Pep and many other coaches that most coaches have daily weigh-ins and they've got to wait you know, range you're supposed to be in for your body, specific yeah. body type. And if you're outside of that, then, you know, you've got to do some sort of specific training to get back into that weight range before you can join in on on training sessions and stuff. So it's not ideal. And, um, you know, I think the timing is the worst part for me because it's a guy that we've been desperate to see play in a city shirt. And it felt like with that Chelsea game, him going to Qatar, it felt like a little momentum was building with him mm. getting back to fitness and you know this is just kind of another hurdle and now we've got to kind of sit and wait yeah yeah um nicely done i think like like you said sort of straight off the bat the definition of overweight used by sports scientists and the definition of an overweight used by me or any other layman is completely different he has a body and a weight that i'm sure plenty of people would have uh, snatched the hand off but in terms of a, a professional athlete it is considered overweight and, and like you say it's happened before Sergio Aguero um famously was once something like 100 grams over his target weight which is what like I don't even know. A, I don't even know a comparison, but it's not heavy. You know, 100 grams is not a lot of weight. But he was banished from training and wasn't allowed to train and, and play matches because of it. So um, when we get to team news, we'll speak about it. He may be involved. He might not be. I want to speak a bit more about the specifics of this then, because we in our in one of our episodes last weekend, we we hailed Pep Guardiola as the saint, and we said that City and uh, City success in the club. And our daily lives are indebted to this genius, this this legend amongst us who walks the same streets and paths. And um, however, literally, probably about twenty four hours after after finishing that episode up, this happens. And I think your opinion may differ slightly on me on this, but I'm not too sure it was the right method from Guardiola to do this in terms of coming out and speaking about a player who's had a really tough time of it. Obviously, big. we've seen this with Jack Grealish. We've seen this with players in the past and they've spoken openly after the move when things have settled down going, I expected my big move to a big team in the Champions League to go a little bit more smoothly. It's a big step for him. He was a local. I don't know if they're still there, but in the Leeds um, town centre, there was a, at least one mural with his face on it. He was their poster boy. He brought him back up to the to the Premier League, obviously with Marcel Bielsa. He was revered. He's the 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 heartthrob of many um Leeds Olean, I don't know what you'd call them. Young girls, you know, he he was that fella. He, and he's a lovely lad. We've seen it from 
not only City documentaries, but Leeds documentaries in the past too. He had a, a lovely relationship with his grandma, who unfortunately passed away. You can tell he's a he's a lovely boy, and everyone wants to see him succeed. However, injuries, whatnot, recurring injuries, it happens. It's football. He had to have surgery, which is another bit of time out. He's what played 94 minutes or something like that for City it's not ideal he works hard to get fit and go into the World Cup squad which at the time I said was probably a bad thing for him it was probably a bad thing for City but it's a World Cup squad how often does that come around fair enough but he doesn't play and this is I think where we get to this point now where he's had this sort of this few months of uh let's call it tumultuous happenings in terms of his life has been like a roller coaster. It's been up and down, up and down, up and down. But at the same time, he's not been playing football. And I can imagine as a professional footballer, the detriment that has to your brain and your mental health can be horrible. You know, And even still going to a World Cup, he's travelling, he's in and out of training schedules. It was hot, really hot. And for a, a, you know some people listening to this might go, 25 degrees Celsius isn't that hot, whatever. For a lad from Yorkshire, bloody hell, let me tell you that, that is, that is well hot, even though I know he has um, Caribbean uh, ancestry and, and heritage as well. He just still struggled, as most England players did in that heat. And then he gets back to City. I'm just not sure he needed to say the overweight bit because, like I said at the start, overweight to them is a completely different um, meaning and definition to us. And I just feel like it may lead to some goading. He's had a tough time as it is. You know, we've all seen the memes. Yeah, it would have been funny to imagine him getting in a Qatari kebab shop at 3am ordering a shawarma after a night out whilst these you know teammates are in bed. Yeah, it's hilarious. You know, they, they were funny, but I just don't know if it could have gone, he's not fit. You know, he's he's lacking a bit of fitness. I think that would have been fine. Overweight, calling him out for it in public. For someone who's not played football, I wasn't impressed. Hosep. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think mm. you're spot on. The, the way to handle this is he's not fit. And, you know, that, that leads to more speculation and whatever. But um, this kind of reminds me of... Pep's comments about the crowd at the Etihad after that RB Leipzig game that's yeah, just broke yeah. all hell loose. And 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 Pep might not understand what he's saying and what the kind of shitstorm he's creating from his words. To him, it might just be a basic thing. No, he, you know, our sports scientists tell us he's not, you know, he's too he's not within his weight range that we need him to be yeah, at. It's and, different and than saying I'll, he's yeah. overweight. And the, we've said this a number of times. Guardiola is a fantastic English speaker. He can speak at his number of languages. He can speak a second language better than I can even sort of do an accent. But there is at times a language barrier with his English and his sort of, he, you know, the word maybe isn't exactly what he meant. So I think you, you, you're right to bring that up. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think there was definitely a better way to handle it. And, and as far as what this means for, for Calvin going forward, you know, it's worth mentioning that. Ilkay Gundogan came into this club as Pep's first signing, and he kind of didn't exist for like two years. I mean, mm. he'd, pl- he'd play here and there, but he was he was totally riddled by injuries, and we kind of thought that he was just this guy that would, a bit like Vincent Company in the last few years, would just kind of bounce in and out of fitness, and it'd be great to have him when we have him, and when we don't have him, it's just kind of status quo. Um, mm. But now, you know, Gundogan is, is an integral member of the team, and we don't think of him as somebody that's injury-prone anymore. So... Um, I hope for for Calvin's sakes and for for City's sake that you know this is just a, a kind of shitty period he's got to get through. And once he gets back to full fitness, once he gets back into the flow of playing games, it's it's going to just kind of flow from there. Um, but yeah, I, I do completely agree that there was definitely a better way to handle this, and and it could just be something lost in translation as far as you know Pep's yeah. words go. But you're right; it's it's going to be something that 
he's kind of now stuck with for the rest of his career, most likely. Yeah, and you know, you still see people speaking about Luke Shaw like that. And Luke Shaw, for me, had a very good shout to get in the World Cup team of the tournament. Now, I'm not saying for a, for a second, you know, he was a dead cert or whatever, but he was one of the best performers at the, the World Cup team of the tournament. And still, people will label him with this sort of the idea that he's fat. I remember, I can't remember where I was, um, a few weeks ago, someone was saying, oh yeah, but Luke Shaw's fat, isn't he? And I'm like, well, no, he's a fantastic player. He's a really good player. You know, it, it happened once. He had a leg break. He was out for months and months. Um, finally then, on Calvin Phillips, before we move on to the uh, sort of the main body of the preview between um, City and Leeds, uh, an article in the Manchester Evening News from Jack Flintham, who covers both Manchester City and Manchester United, but I have a sneaky feeling he may be a red. Um, He wrote an article. uh, I think it was before the comments, actually, but it still resonates now. Calvin Phillips needs a January low move to reignite Man City career. Now, it's... Bold off the off the on the on the front on the face of it, it's bold. It's even bolder when you read it, and you know, go and check it out. Go and have a read before sort of casting judgment. Um, but I'm not quite sure those solution that the oh, sorry those um, suggestions will help with the solution. Back in the day, uh, they thought that in the in the East Coast here in in like the 17 and 1800s when they would get the kind of like black lung from living in the cities with horrible air pollution <laughs> that all they had to do was just send them out to the West Coast and all of their troubles would be <laughs> would be gone and the the lifelong plague injuries and and diseases that they have would just go away because of fresh mountain air that was literally things that doctors believed so i'm not sure if you know a a, a move to Preston all of a sudden makes your heals your shoulder or makes you drop weight. I mean, it, well, I don't understand what the loan move does. It's not as if he's a bad footballer and therefore yeah. he's not getting into the team and not playing. You know, it's not like James McAtee who needed a loan move because he needed experience, he needed playing time. Mm. That's not the issue with Calvin Phillips. The issue is he can't get fit enough to get a run in the team. If he was fully fit, he'd be playing lots of football. We've got lots of football coming up. I mean, this stretch mm. for the next six to eight weeks is one of the most brutal stretches in, in yeah, I've ever seen as a City fan. It'd be great to have a backup to Rodri in there, especially because Rodri can, you know, if we have well, injuries... Well, it It's necessary. It's essential. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, um, it, it, but we're not really not, used to it, are yeah, we, in the past yeah, couple of years? Yeah. Um, um, so a loan move is a ridiculous, ridiculous idea because that doesn't solve any of the issues um, that he has. His, his issues aren't caused by being a Manchester City player. His issues are caused mm. by injuries, what have you. Um, so going somewhere else where the players around him are less talented, the coaches are going to be less talented, uh, it's not going to solve any issues. Yeah, as a um, friend of the show and sort of uh, City Twitter personality, Gaz Brady said underneath the article, bollocks next. And I think that's probably a nice way to summarise um sort of the general feeling around that. In terms of the match itself then, it's City's technically City's Boxing Day match. Um there is the it's crazy even to think about that and the fact we had it for so long, but you would usually have teams playing on Boxing Day. You'd then have teams playing on the sort of either the 28th or the 29th. You then have teams playing on the New Year's Day. So that's three games in about six days. It, it seems congested now, even with the schedule we've got when, when they've taken one of the games out to help with that. But it is City's Boxing Day match. Then there's Everton on the 31st. So there's what, 
a little over 72 hours, I think it is, or maybe a little less in terms of the turnaround. What are you expecting from City then? Because I, I think, bar the injuries that we know about, um, Ruben Diaz and obviously uh, Julian Alvarez is still still living the life that we all love to see him living, but it'd be lovely to have him back soon. They're going to be missing. Calvin Phillips, question over him. Does he make the bench? Has he been able to train, etc., etc.? They're the players that we know won't be there. You expect it to have a, a, all the England lads back. You expect them to be ready to go. However, I think, as is going to be the case throughout the next two, three, four weeks, managing each and every player's game time is crucial because City could go full strength here. Whether or not they do, I'm a little bit sort of still, hmm, we'll have to wait and see because of the games that are coming up. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll probably see two slightly rotated teams against Leeds and Everton. I mean, you look at the Liverpool game and it's a very strong 11. You know, the only players that Mm. we don't consider kind of out and out starters or people who are are contention for being out and out starters are Cole Palmer and Rico Lewis. Um, But, you know, you you look at the bench in that game, you got Bernardo Silva, Jack Grealish, John Stones, Jao Cancelo, Kyle Walker, Phil Foden. you know, right there, you've got a full bout of rotation that you can you can go mm. through. So, um, I'm not too concerned about fitness issues. You know, I think we've got enough players fit to deal with this period right now. We need mm. a couple players to come back. Uh, Ruben Diaz would be great. Obviously, Calvin Phillips, like we said, would be great. Um, but as far as the, my kind of general outlook on City going into this period, I feel pretty good. All in all, um, I think they're going to be up for a fight. And, you know, seeing Arsenal play fairly damn well against West Ham yesterday and and take, what is it now, a, an eight-point lead at the top. Um, yeah, well, I, seven points, but eight ahead of City. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I think City are going to kind of be up for this stretch and they're not going to be any, uh, you know, they're not strangers to a, a mid-season run starting about mm. this time and and you know mm. the the leaders on this team like Kevin De Bruyne like Ruben Diaz like John Stones they they're, they're going to be saying to the guys that are new here you know like like Calvin Phillips whenever he gets fit like Erling Holland you know this is when we kick on this is when we win titles yeah. um and there's kind of nothing in the past that would make me feel not confident in this team doing the same thing over again um so i i think mm. You know, if you get two good performances against Leeds and Everton, who obviously are down at the bottom, kind of fighting for their lives, but on their day are are tough teams to beat, then that that puts you in good stead. So I, I'm really just kind of waiting for these first kind of 180 minutes to kind of tell me where this team is at. But I kind of expect them to be really up for it, and and I'm feeling fairly confident at the moment. And that's you know, I'm not really an optimist, so that's that's saying something. Yeah, yeah, God help us all. Um, you say this is this is when City usually push on. Um, in terms of the calendar, yeah. In terms of the situation in the season, probably not. I'm just yeah. looking now. Last last season, City played Leicester on Boxing Day. At that point, it was either 19 or 20 games that had been played uh, that had been played. At the moment, ahead of the Leeds game, City played 14. So there is that sort of. Five five games, fifteen points. There is a, there is a big chunk of the season actually to catch up on, which is uh, pretty crazy when you think about where these matches are going to come. I know just looking at the schedule, I was doing a bit of a sort of pre New Year planning in terms of the next few months, and we played Tottenham twice in the Premier League in something like six days in February. So it's going to be a bit crazy. But I'm I'm intri- I don't know. I'm 
I'm intrigued and I'm also a little bit worried in the state of the situation, the state of the season, because we know City in title races undefeated. I think I'm right in saying, you know, when a tight title race, City are undefeated. I just don't know what what the next few months with all the games, with all the competitions, we said it with Ollie on the preview show for the Liverpool game, secretly, as good as it was to win, going out of the Carabao Cup might not have been a bad idea. And I'm sure Liverpool will, will sort of be thankful of that. I don't even know if City have the biggest squad. Uh, well, we know we don't have the biggest squad, but you've mentioned it in previous years. They've got a deeper squad. And I think it was after the Brentford defeat, you were like, we have to stop fucking about playing full-strength teams in midweek Carabao Cup games if it means that we're going to have to rotate in Premier League games. It could happen the same here again, couldn't it, in terms of uh, the personnel. And, would, and, and seeing, seeing the Arsenal train roll on, Adam, I don't know if I'm looking for a bit of comfort. I'm a little bit worried. What do you think? Here's the thing. I, I understand the fact that they've played less games now and, and because of the World Cup, we're at a weird point in the season. But it, the, for me, the things that have driven City on in, in the festive fixtures and the festive period in years past and kind of kicked them on these these either come from behind title victories or mm-hmm. or running away with it at this time of year. For me, it's the fact that Premier League football is your main focus and the Champions League is done until February. You've kind of got this month-long period with a, with a little bit of FA Cup and Carabao Cup sprinkled in, but you've got this this month, little month and a half period where your main focus is Premier League football. And I think that's mm-hmm. what has been an advantage for City is because they've had the ability to have, you know, kind of full strength squads every 72 hours or so, you see your progress up the table if you get on a little run. You know, you're not waiting seven days until the next league game. You're waiting three days and you and you keep kind of working your way up. So as far as where we are in the season, we've played less games. But the general idea, the, the theory of just playing Premier League games every 72 hours, that remains the same as it has been in years mm. past. So I don't know if, you know, Champions League is a distraction or whatever. Um, but when Monday, Wednesday, or, you know, uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, you're going from Manchester, London, Manchester, as opposed to Manchester, Moscow, Manchester. It's a completely mm. different situation that you're in, and, and they can get into a little bit more of a rhythm. And I think that's why they've always excelled in the past in this period. So until I'm proven wrong, I'm not going to feel any different about this winter period than I have in years past. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, you know, it's nothing more than a hypothesis, but I, I just fear that at one point, I don't know. I don't think it's ever happened before, and I'm not saying it will happen again, but I don't know if Guardiola is going to sit there and go, realistically, for once in his life, for a little bit of pragmatism, we can't compete in all four competitions in April. Which is fine. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. He needs, he needs yeah. to just deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finally, then a little look at the Premier League table because there's there's an, a couple of interesting names, especially above City at the moment. Obviously, like I said, the Arsenal train rolls on. Um, they're giving off vibes. They're giving off they're, they're giving off positive vibes. They're giving off a little bit actually. And I know obviously it finished fantastically for City. They're giving off um, 2013, 14 Liverpool vibes in that sense. In the terms of like this club is, I hate the term this club is back, but they, they do feel like they're back. You know, I'm I would love them. I feel like City, Newcastle, and Arsenal need to get around a round table and go. Tell you what, guys, we'll protect your top four spot. You can get a Champions League position. Hey, we might even let you have a nice run in the domestic cups. Newcastle are still in the League Cup. Go and win that if you want. Let us win the league. Let us have a you know not a nice run at it, but 
three or four games before the end of the season. Let's have the league wrapped up. You can get both get top four. Well, whoever wants to get the, the last four spot, let them fight out themselves. It'd be fantastic if Brighton did it. That'd be hilarious. Um, but just sort of like make it, make an accord. You know, next season. Gloves are off. Let's go for whatever you want next season. Fight us for the, ti- the title. But this season, you know, Arsenal, Newcastle, Champions League, that shows just let us have the league title. Do you think, that, do you think that's possible? Uh, I don't think it's possible. It sounds oh, sounds really it. nice. Sounds really nice through my my blue-tinted glasses. Um, yeah, as far as Arsenal goes, I'm, I'm not saying the jury's still out because I think they're a fantastic team and the way they win games is really impressive. Um, hmm. I'm still waiting to see them up against the real big boys. And when I say the real big boys, I mean Manchester City. Yeah, you see only, only Litmus less because they beat Liverpool. They sort of got beat by United, but that was a one-off, you feel. They beat Tottenham. They beat Chelsea. But is you know, it? it is. I mean, you can't just say it's yeah, a Yeah, I think it is. Okay. I think it was the United game because I think it was. I think it was. I yeah. think United were better than, than Arsenal that day. Look, we've seen plenty of teams get a lot of momentum going in the fall and the winter. And then when it comes to... April and May, when you've got a cup final every week, um, they can crumble. We've seen it from plenty of teams. We've seen it from this mm-hmm. Arsenal team many times. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not, you know, I've seen people online every every single time they win, give them the title now. You know, they, they don't look yeah, like slowing yeah. down. But we've said that about yeah. many teams in the past. So, and I have said this many times. This is I'm going to get stick for this. I know I'm going to get stick for this. Winning titles isn't the end-all, be-all for me as a City fan. It never has been. Mm. It was when the teams that we were trying to stop from winning titles were Liverpool and United. A title race with Arsenal feels a bit different. If we lose, if we get to 90 points and Arsenal finish on 93, I, I'm not, I, I won't say I don't I'd care. I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. I don't before. say I don't care, but it, it doesn't hurt nearly as bad. Like last season, mm. I would have had to live under a rock. Had that gone yeah, poorly. Yeah, I would yeah. have had to live under a rock. 20, 2012 QPR game. Would any of us have survived that retired. if it finishes 2 1? I'd have retired from football at the age of 12. I would never have watched another game of football. So I don't feel the same angst. And that, that may mean I'm watching Arsenal differently than I've watched Liverpool in the past or, or watched United in the past. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I kind of look forward to them playing, whereas I dreaded this Liverpool team playing games in the past. Um, uh, but this is why I'm saying 2013-14 Liverpool, because when it got to the business end, it, it switched a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when they were in sort of January, February, March, remember they actually uh, demolished Liverpool. And, uh, sorry, dem- <laughs> Liverpool demolished Liverpool. Maybe the fans did to the team bus by accident. But Liverpool demolished Arsenal at Anfield. I think it was like a 4 or 5 nil, And they were great to watch. I really enjoyed Brendan Rodgers' Liverpool team until it got to about April. And I was like, I wish nothing on you. And I think that's probably where we're heading with Arsenal because football fans are fickle. You know, we look at Arsenal and that fans are like, oh, they're loving it and the scenes look great outside the stadium there. They're ultras. I'm still a bit uneasy using that word to describe a, a few lads in black clothing in the clock end because ultra culture in Europe, you know, we could have a different discussion. Isn't just that, but hey Um However, I think as it goes on, as it rolls on, you start becoming a little bit more aware of them. You'll pop up on conversations with their supporters online, and you'll be like, "Oh God, that bloody pesky Arteta!" You know, I can't stand him. If he does like a, a knee slide after a two-one last-minute win at the Etihad or something, you know, this happens in a title race, and I fully agree with you. If City were to drop off, 
say in April, say there was a, a big Champions League run, say City got, I don't know, a Bayern Munich, a Liverpool or, you know, a, a title favourite in the quarterfinal or whatever, if we get past Leipzig, and the rotation came in the league and, you know, this gap maintained, Arsenal were five points in front. Yeah, I'd agree. I would not, in under under any circumstance, be happy for Arsenal winning the league if we got past the 1st of May. City was still in touching distance and it was the last game or the second last game of the season and City lost it like that. No way. No way. You'd be seeing me with the pickets going down with this, down with the gunners, shoot the gunners down. Yeah, I completely agree. For me, it's it's the it's the different feeling from day dot. It's the Yeah. In years yeah. past, it's like if Liverpool win their second game of the season, I'm fuming <laughs> on my porch, like trying to catch my breath. Um yeah. whereas Yesterday, the third goal went in against West Ham. Shut my phone off and moved on yeah. with my day. Whereas a Liverpool, uh, you know, a Liverpool come from behind victory in years past would have would have rocked my whole day essentially. <laughs> Which isn't healthy. Great, great. I, I, I I'm yeah, the first to yeah. say it's not healthy, and I'm going to die much younger than I would love to have died in <laughs> at some point in my life here. But yeah, hey ho. As the kids say, rent free. Um, should we get out of here then? I've got some darts to watch. I've got some beer to drink. I think you've got an airport to get to. So uh, we'll we'll do a runner. Um, we'll be back after the Leeds game, as I said. Until next time, we'll see you later. Um, we'll be back after the Leeds game as I said until next time we'll see you later make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery great food delivered right to your door by using McDelivery you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne they deliver your order exactly where you want it order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.